the podcast very few have asked for. The place where you'll get the truth if you can stay awake long enough. Yes, you've got it. It's SAG 6. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Very kind of you to drive down the, uh, the uh, Geelong Road every week and do that for me. Well, tonight is a bit special. Um, rather than go on with my big preamble that I usually do and we have snag bullet and uh, everyone gets a bit. I thought I'd apply most of tonight because uh, it may take quite some time to our guest. And uh, this is uh, a bit special for me because um, we're talking about Grant Roff, who's also known as Spanner Man, also known as Groff. Done many things. An old friend of mine. Um, doesn't mean he's going to escape scrutiny. There's going to be, you'll laugh, you'll cry. We'll find embarrassing things out tonight. Uh, we'll probably know more about him than we really want to. Uh, he's, he is with wine, but it's difficult to find him without wine. He comes back to us from Hanoi in Vietnam, where he's been living with his beautiful wife, who's long-suffering, I must say. Um, clearly something wrong with her judgment, but appears to be a nice person. Very pleased to uh, to have Grant Roth uh, here in the Snag Says Studio. G'day, Grant. G'day, Snag. Nice to see you. After how long have you been away? Uh, it's been about six months, and I'm here for a month, and then back to Vietnam for another six months. Well, what takes a man of your age to, you know, let's face it, you're in the twilight years, and I don't mean that in a nasty way, but you've gone up there and you're sort of living as a hippie. Well, no, not as a hippie. Well, tell I'm a, us how you've ended up in Hanoi. Well, I'm there as a, a support person for my wife who's teaching at a university there. Uh, so I've, I'm what would be technically described as a handbag. Yeah. And, and uh, working, you'd obviously be bringing some food to the table. and uh, I keep the house very clean. Uh, yes. I'm doing a bit of walking. Domestic work. I've uh, restored... No, I haven't restored it. I shouldn't use that word, should I? I've made a Honda 50 step-through run again that hasn't run for quite some time. Uh, And that's my my mount in Hanoi, a Honda 50 step-through. Which would be the perfect, uh, having been up there, um, the place is totally mobilised by scooters? Absolutely. Uh, And not that a Honda 50 is a big bike. 110 cc's is big, but a, a 50 is still respectable in the traffic. And mine's got the big bore 70 kit. So oh, it keeps up. on the on the uh, on the block. Absolutely, I suppose is it the wrong thing to say already that uh, you can read all about it in the next issue of Motorcycle Trader magazine? Well, we try not is that, to. Do, is yeah. that difficult? Well, given that I don't work for them, but look, I'm very good at editing, and oh, okay. uh, we so can make no, that sound any anything yeah. I want it to be. But look, by all means, put gratuitous plugs. Um, we do know that uh, you recently sold your house in. In uh, where was it? A lovely Box Hill. Well, yeah, it's called Box Hill in Melbourne, but uh, uh, Dave Morley used to call it Pox Hill, and, and that was <laughs> that was probably closer to the truth. Well, I've always thought it was remarkably ironic that you ended up at Box Hill. Yes, yeah. given that, and I'm not without this proclivity myself. That uh, a drink every now and then on a hot day is a, a, you know a fine thing for a man, and uh, Box Hill, you can't get a drink in Box Hill, can you? Uh, you can get one at the RSL, but uh, oh, the RSL, yeah. I vaguely remember, and you may not wish to continue with this story, but uh, I lived in uh, Nelson Street. Now, look, Nelson yes, Road. I do know Nelson Road. Actually. Yeah, you do. Would you like to share with your listeners well, why look, that that's a significant I, location I like for you? I like to keep some mystery, but uh, 
many years ago, I did. Uh, I was young, very young, Grant. It was uh, well, 35 years ago where I did find myself with drink one night and uh, I bought a motorcycle and uh, for some reason the coppers there didn't like it because they didn't get anyone pissed in. You see, I, I, was a, uh, I was a bit of a novelty because no one drink, could drink there. No, that's right. It's very hard, very hard to find a drink in Box Hill. So the old, uh, yeah, it didn't go well, Nelson Road. I, yep. I can remember the blue lights and... Thanks for bringing that up early. And did you get fit in the six months you spent not riding a motorcycle? After I got that? very fit. Actually, it was twelve months. Twelve months. <laughs> it was twelve months. Yeah. The uh, I went to court, and uh, as you you know you would have probably observed in your your uh, illustrious uh, life that uh, they say things verbatim that you said on the night. And, yeah. And uh, yes. what's said in the heat of battle, like when the officer said, I asked Mr. Leach if he was satisfied with the uh, reading, and uh, he said, Yes, I'm fucking ecstatic. <laughs> Probably it didn't go that well, and the judge just sort of put his head in his hands and uh, hit the gavel and said, Just get out of here 12 months. For 12 months. Uh, that was very early days, though, for um, that kind of technology, wasn't it? Well, the, it was a big old box. Uh, with wires hanging out of it, and they cracked a vial of some type of <laughs> potion. Into... Then they then they found a leech and they put it on your body. Yes. A leech on a leech. They did, and, and then I... they measured the blood level of the leech. And... They slapped the fish. Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, look, what, you were unlucky. I digress, and you've done very well there. Yeah. But um, you did. You lived in Box Hill there, um, uh, happily uh, engaged as a, a, a motoring journalist, as you have been for many years. Correct. On and off. Yep. Um, and you bought it for a song and sold it for a squeeze. Is basically where we're at with that. Uh, Australian housing prices. It had nothing to do with my uh, my ad- abilities in the area of real estate. But uh, just if you live anywhere or at that particular time, if you lived anywhere for ten years, you were always going to do well out of it. Well, uh, it, does it come as a surprise to you as a sort of, it's fair to say, practicing communist? Yep. That. You supped at the teat of capitalism and now sort of float around in the trough of. Well, I, I've I've been a very dedicated communist, but but you know when when they told me what someone had offered me for the house, I thought, well, communism's okay. Yeah, but it's not a maybe bad... you know maybe there's some other areas where perhaps I've ignored in the past. We can change, can't we? Yeah, we well, you older, can investigate it? different ways of yeah, thinking so. about things, and uh, I don't know. I mean, and what and... is five million worth up there? <laughs> In Hanoi. I, I wish it had been five million. I certainly wouldn't be in this grotty little <laughs> studio talking to you if I had five million bucks. Whatever it was, uh, Grant, that you did, uh, that you got out of the uh, Melbourne uh, real estate market, I'm very pleased to see that, uh, you know, um, in your dotage, you're not going to starve. Well, look, the really surprising thing about tonight is that I've agreed to come down to the, the studio with you. I mean... What do you think of the studio? Well, it's... Elaborate. I love the on-air sign. You like the on-air yes, yes, yeah. sign? I don't know why it's on. I, I mean, it's clearly showing. it's either... Showing well, off. Well, we're here. But but the uh, the main reason I'm surprised that uh, I agreed to do this was that, you know, we do have a bit of history. We've known we each do. other for a long time. Uh, some of it's been great. Some what of it's mean some of it's been great? Some of it's been less than great. I think it's all been fabulous. Well, there was the death threat incident. The death threats in- instant. Well, I thought we'd moved on. I've, I'd forgotten about it. Well, you know, you've forgotten about it, but uh, and I think enough time has passed now. Uh, I think there's a statute of limitations on on the police interest in this. But perhaps, mm, perhaps I wouldn't be too sure about that. It was big. 
perhaps uh, your listeners might like to hear this story just to give them some indication of how generous I am with my time tonight. Well, it wouldn't be for me to tell it. I, I well, no, you're not going to tell it. I'm going to tell it. So well, I'll interrupt. Well, you probably will. Okay, so uh, whilst whilst uh, I'm best known for my, my fabulous riding ability with motorcycles and riding ability, but we'll get on to that later, I would be guessing, uh, I did also teach at university for uh, for a number of years in a communication studies department. And uh, I had a tiny office, and I bopped in one day, turned my answering machine on, uh, and there About were... About 11 the, o'clock, I'd reckon. Well, yes, well, yeah, after, after opening time. After opening time. Yes, after early opening time. <laughs> uh, and there were the normal messages from students saying, oh, can I have a week's extension on this essay and all that kind of stuff. And then there was this kind of silence, and then a, then a very a very severe, unusual voice saying, uh, and I'll never forget these words, uh, I know where you are, I have you in my sights. Gun sights, actually. Goodbye. Mm. Who and, could that have been? Well, I, I um, immediately um, thought, ah, just a you, joke. Can but, I just butt in there? Because you had had a bit of trouble with the law in New South Wales, which we might touch on a bit later as well, but... <laughs> Well, so you're yeah, a little bit that's touchy. That's true. That's true. Well, you no, I wasn't. Touchy in that I wasn't area. touchy. I'd forgotten about that, but um, uh, I didn't. I didn't pay particular attention to it for a little while, and then I listened to it again, and it just sounded. It wasn't a student, it's, and it sounded very strange. And in fact, I was so kind of disturbed by it that I had I had windows in the office, and I moved away from the windows and had a look at you know where there was a chemical building across the road from my office. And I had, had a look along there and, and thought, hmm, someone was going to shoot me. Where would they be positioning themselves? And uh, the more I thought about it, the more concerned I was that it was actually a threat. So I called the security guys at the university and they turned up. Uh, I should have known. I mean, Keystone they, cops, they would have been, though, wouldn't they? Well... You know, they couldn't get into the PSOs at the train station, so they ended up being security guys at RMIT University. Yes. And they've listened to it and said, oh, no, that's not a student. That's not a, that's not a joke. That's a death threat. So they've called the police. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised the police turned up almost immediately. Mm. Uh, and there were three of them. Uh, three of them? Yeah, and, the, and two of the security guys and me in an office built basically for one person. So it was very crowded. They listened to it. Uh, they said, mm, sound serious, um, who would want to kill you? And I thought, well, nobody. Uh, and then suddenly it dawned on me, well, there maybe is one guy. So some years previously, and this is what you're referring to mm-hmm. with the New South Wales Police, I'd written an article that was very critical of the Highway Patrol. And uh, the article was, was printed and they printed it with uh, in Two Wheels magazine, actually. Uh, and they printed it with a picture of a highway patrol car intercepting a motorcycle. And as I say, the article was very critical. The guy who was in the car sued me for defamation, said, this article's not about the police, it's about me. Uh, and uh, it went to the High Court in New South Wales. It was a case that lasted for two years. Um, I ended up uh, winning on a, a, a tech, well, not really a technicality, but... The fact was that it was a trial by jury and uh, we selected jury members that were males between the age of 22 and 28 who were most likely to have mm-hmm. had a bad experience with the police. Wise. Wise, Wise yes. Oh. Uh, but uh, um, uh, the policeman uh, 
basically lost his job. Um, uh, damages were awarded against him. Costs were awarded against him. His wife left him. Uh, and I spent maybe two or three years not going into New South Wales mm. because I figured there'd be a, a picture of me in every highway patrol car mm. over the border. He would have been just Melbourne. lurking at the border waiting for you. Correct. That's That was my thinking. So the police are saying, well, does anyone want to kill you? And I, all that flashed through my mind and said, well, th- there may be somebody. And, of course, he's a policeman. And the, here mm. are the policemen asking me. Mm. So while I'm telling them this story, they're closing their notebooks mm. And I could see the expression on one of one of the guy's faces, and and you know I, I think he's he was thinking, well, you know, you You're deserve get your this. right whack, yeah, you know, you deserve this. Mm. So Jesus. they they left, and of course before they did, they said, well, have you heard anything from home? You know, has anyone been ringing you at home? So I had to ring up my wife and say, have I received any death threats on the telephone? So now the family's involved. The family's involved, mm. and of course she's horrified. I can't imagine anyone that would do such a thing. No, well, I can't either. I, but it, it, it got worse, you know. I went. In fact, it got much worse. I, I went home and... Uh, How can it get any worse? Well, I went home and, and I got a phone call um, from uh, one Greg Snag Leach saying, did you get my message? Oh. What message? He said, I, I'd spent all day on this too. You know, I didn't do any teaching. The police were in and out. The Choppers. Filling out. Yep, that works. Teams. Yep, dogs. Dogs. Um uh, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't done any work that day, and uh, my wife was sobbing for most of the day, thinking that you know someone was going to try and kill me. Mm. Um, uh, and what happened was that uh, when you rang and said, "Did you get my message?" and I said, "What message?" and you said, oh, "I've got you in my sights. You know, I know where you are." And I realised it was me. Yeah, it was you. It was you. Jesus. Now Didn't see that coming. This is where the problem really started because it's it's. Illegal to make prank death threats. So I couldn't ring the police up and say, oh, look, it was just a mistake. It was, it was a just, silly mate. It was just a prank call because they would have said, well, who is he? Uh, because we're going to go around and see him and uh, he's going to suffer the legal consequences <laughs> of the, the fake death threat. You must have for a moment thought, I'll put him in, fuck him. Uh, well, Julia's, my, my wife's view was, yeah, do it, <laughs> do it. Shop him. Straight Shop him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have a second thought, just... <laughs> Yeah, you know. so I had to I had to go back uh, and just live a week with being followed by the the security guys at the university. Uh, you know, I couldn't see them; they'd be in doorways. They they, they were shadowy figures, cloak, cloak and dagger. I could see guys up on the. And after a week, I just rang them up and said, "Look, I don't I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, I don't need your security." And they said, "Well, you, you know, we we weren't trying to protect you. We, we've just never seen a professional hit before. We were just." Interested viewers, yeah, yeah. So this is the first time it's ever been revealed that, in fact, it was Greg Sla- Snag Leach well, I'm that not, was responsible. I can't admit liability. Well, of course not. I'm not going to do anything like that. But yep. I do remember the incident, and uh, uh, I did, uh, as my lovely wife at the time said to you, he doesn't fuck up a lot, but when he does, it's big. Yes. Well, she apologised. She she did it. Well, I thought I you know I, Julia didn't I speak got, to you for two years. Well, I <laughs> as an addendum to that story, yeah, I said, well, I I need to probably apologise to somebody here. Clearly, I've I've sort of made a small <laughs> e- small error, and I thought, well, I should apologise to Julia. Grant's big and ugly enough; he'll cope. Yeah. So I uh, dutifully went and spoke with Julia, and I said, look. I want to say I'm sorry about the death threat and the choppers and the uh, evacuations. 
And she said, well, I'm not really mad at you about that, but I have got a bone to pick. I said, well, you're not mad at me about that. What, what have I done? And she said, well, Grant's been away 13 weekends this year working with you. So I wore that. I said, I'm sorry, Julia, I won't take him any further back uh, uh, on weekends working with me. And I went back to Grant and said, we're fucking even. You haven't been working with me at all this year. And uh, is this the re- statute of limitations is over. Is this stuff really going to air? Well, it is going to air. And uh, he, God, I still don't know where you were going on those weekends. Well, this Ju- is what a question mark that comes up. Julia's in Vietnam. Hopefully she'll never get to She'll hear never this. hear this. Yeah. Although the communication system in Vietnam's far superior <laughs> than it is with uh, well, it is, yep, Malcolm Turnbull, Turnbull's fibre to the node. But th- this was during the period where you were the editor of Motorcycle Trader magazine. I was. And uh, I was the assistant editor. Yes, we worked together, Grant. Well, when you say we worked together, Greg, um, well, I know. seem to recall I did a lot more work as an assistant editor than you would normally expect well, an assistant editor to do. Let's not get bogged down in who shot who. Look, rank has its privileges. Well, you and took them. I, I certainly <laughs> did. I took that magazine to the heights. And then I crashed it into the dirt like a cast iron hang glider and left you with it. Yeah, well, I, I got some of it back. But um, look, I, I, I would be foolish not to say that I didn't learn anything from you. What, what Anything come to mind? Creative accounting, just for one. Well, you know, the truth's overrated. I've, well, I've yes. always said that. <laughs> and what is real truth, you know? Yeah. And there was our legendary um, uh, capers. Well, well. When when people ask me, uh, when students used to ask me about, well, what do you do when you're working full time on a, a motorcycle magazine? I go, well, there were the capers. Yes, there were capers. Well, look, let me explain. Um, although I should be a bit careful, I'm still gainfully employed in the, uh, having not done quite as well in the Australian property market as Grant did. Uh, I'm still employed in the industry, so I've got to be a little bit careful, but. Back in the day when Grant and I were working for Kerry Packer, who uh, most will know... Sadly deceased. Sadly deceased. Sorry to see the big Goanna go, but... Uh, I offered him a kidney. Yes. yes no, you, I offered him a liver. Actually, you... He were, knocked it back. You, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> yeah, this one's better, he said. Uh, but, uh, yes, let, it's fair to say that we used to work on motorcycle magazines when they were making lots of money, and... Uh, Kerry was good with the credit card, and Grant and I decided at one stage, what will we do this week? I know what we'll do. We'll get two motorbikes and ride to Cairns. For a story, Grant. For a story. Um, yeah. It took us uh, one day to get out of Victoria not and just, eight not days just, to get out of Not New just South two Wales. motorcycles, that we got the biggest and the best. Yes, big behemoths. A goal wing. And your daughters are, came along, family members. Family members came along. <laughs> and it ended up being a caravan. There were about 20 people all working on the same credit card. Uh, entourage of idiots taking 10 days out. And, but look, those were the days when uh, motorcycle magazines and magazines in general would make a lot of money, weren't they, Grant? And it didn't matter. Uh, well, that was our view. That was our view. And it was an investment in our future. One, one of, oh, well, there were many highlights from that trip, but mm. uh, we stopped at Airlie Beach uh, on the way up, and we, we st- stayed in a very nice place. And you and I, beautiful. You and I inspected the um, hostelry. The, yes, we, we 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 looked along the main street, and we went to everything that looked like it was worth going to. I think we drank about eight gallons of alcohol, probably, and we were thrown out of a place at four in the morning for we dancing. 
together. together. Yes. <laughs> I thought some of that was I a thought, little bit yeah, silly, but I thought we looked good. Yeah, well, no, we, we cut a dashing figure on the floor. I do There's no doubt that. about that. But we woke up about two hours later um, with the view that we, we were supposed to be leaving this very nice accommodation and, and continuing on our journey north. And we packed up. Neither of us wanted to do it, but we, there were a couple of other people with us and they hadn't been out with us, so they were keen to get on the road. We packed up, we checked out, we paid, we got outside the gate of the place and you turned to me and said, do you really want to do this? Mm. And Do I we said, really have to be anywhere today? Yeah, and I said, well, one more night wouldn't kill us, would we? So we turned around on our fully packed bikes, rode 10 feet back into the car park, checked back in and had another night. There, you were in the pool before I got <laughs> my gear sack. Yeah, and Kerry was still alive then, and I reckon he was sitting somewhere with the hair on the back of his head, (laughs) prickling, saying there's something wrong somewhere in the universe. Well, There's there's a disturbance. It's very true that uh, Kerry occasionally used to um, call my trips, work trips, my little holidays. So often I'd be in a five-star place in, you know, Las Vegas somewhere laying around, and she'd say, what's the accommodation like? And I'd say, these budget motels they put us in. (laughs) That's got to stop. I can't stand it anymore. So again, the truth the truth is overrated, Grant. But that, that's a true story that we we found our way all the way to Cairns. Well, we we only just made it. Uh, we, another of my abiding memories is that we got to the sign that said Cairns five k, and we stopped. We were so exhausted. That's right. We, we fell off the bikes. Fell off the bikes and lay on the side of the road. Can't go another inch. Yeah. Can we can we actually make it? That Save way? yourself. Yeah. I'll stay. Yeah. But Fantastic. We, we did manage to make it to the luxury resort and stay there for a couple of well, days to recuperate. You've, you know, you, uh, you've got to recuperate after a trip like that. Yeah, that's true. There's that's been true. many trips though, over the years. You know, we've been here and been there. Uh, there's a couple of times that you've got me lost. Because uh, well, one or two. You yes. like to consider yourself the road captain when you're out on a motorcycle, generally, don't you? Well, I find that in any group of people, the, uh, the cream rises to the, the top. Yes, yes, and leadership. Well, yeah, and some of us are born with that ability and some of us aren't, and yeah. as it happens. Where do you fall in that? Well, of? mostly in a situation where there's a group of people, I tend to make it to the top of the heap. It's fairly obvious that you're the the, yeah. uh, and the alpha male. The decisions I make tend to be the ones that are picked up by the rest of the group. Mm. Well, Sometimes this hasn't worked well. Well, I can remember a couple of memorable mem- memorable occasions. Rememberable. You can remember a couple I can remember of memorable. It. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, can we cut that out? Uh, is this on? Yeah, no, keep going. No, um, I'm with yes, you. Yes, well, my favourite is leaving uh, Dalgetty, and uh, the road from Dalgetty to Melbourne is uh, pretty straightforward as you come out of Dalgetty and head towards Jindabyne, and there's one turn off that'll take you to West Bumfuck. Bang! Within 80 metres, he was gone. We uh, left. We left on an 800k day. In 80 metres, he was lost. Yes. Do you remember that? Well, it's hard to get out of some towns. Oh, I know. It, it's, it's, it is. And my, uh, my next favourite one is your sheep dip story. Oh, God. Grant, uh, remind. Grant uh, took us off the road. We had a, about a 1,000K day to do, and Grant took us 350Ks out of our way. Because Six, seven of us? Narracourt, you've got to go via Horsham to get to Melbourne, don't you? Well, normal people normal do that. Normal people do that. Yes. But I had a shortcut. Yes, you did have a shortcut, and you ran eight people out of fuel. Uh, well, not eight, only seven, because there was enough fuel for me to be able to ride back to, well, I think it was 45k to the That's right. The nearest town. And came back with a 40-litre a sheep dip. 
It was the only container, container. they had uh, um, at the garage. And uh, yes, it, I filled it with petrol and I was on a Blackbird. Uh, you were and, too. And I had to take my coat off, um, my riding coat, because I didn't want to put the tank uh, directly on the Blackbird's fuel tank. Yes. Uh, and the sheep the, dip. The only, well, it was a sheep dip container. And was there any sheep dip in yes, it? Yes, there was plenty of sheep dip left in it when they put the petrol in it. <laughs> That's right. So, and, and what happened was I had to – the only way I could balance it was to put my chin on the top of the sheep dip container. Unsprung. Unsprung. And right. And because everyone was so angry with me, uh, I rode as fast as I could. But the sheep dip and the petrol splashed out of the uh, the top of the container and wet me and ran down my neck and yeah. – uh, the straps from the coat were flapping in the wind because of the speed I was travelling at, and they were cutting me, leaving little nicks in my neck and chest, so that the sheep dip mm. and petrol was making its way in there. It wasn't one of the nicest trips I've ever had. But it would have deloused you from that week, though. Oh, was, you were nicely I've been deloused. <laughs> yes. I've been fine ever since. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I can remember that it was... No, very, d- no uh, dags, nothing. No dags. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to mules you. <laughs> no, I didn't need mulesing for <laughs> months <laughs> after that trip. Uh, and it was very quiet, and the rest of the trip was quiet, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. It, uh, Grant was sitting on his own when we had a Vegemite sandwich at uh, Dunkeld, and... Well, look, the, the trials of leadership, sometimes sometimes it works, sometimes well, it doesn't. Well, this is what gets me, Grant, because I find you a, a, an engaging company and you've been an old friend of mine for many years. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of you. Um, and in many areas, you are um, very intelligent. Yes. But not all. Well... And navigation's not one of them. <laughs> well, I think I think that's actually wrong. I, I think the problem is that because I'm always elected leader, um, yes. it's always my responsibility. So if I just said, "Well, look, no, I'm just going to sit up the back," now, you, you know, I don't. Oh, this is a great show. You know, your podcast is is heard worldwide. Yes, uh, and thousands I, and thousands. I heard of Paul Newbold uh, being interviewed by you. Yes, um, what? Which which was it? Number three. Number four? No, four, I think. Made yeah. him famous. Well, it made him famous, but yes. he cast aspersions on my navigation. He did. Skills. He said that you were a fuckwit. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know whether he used those words. I think well, you're paraphrasing I'm slightly paraphrasing there. But, slightly, but... Yeah. But uh, he did suggest that on a recent trip I did with Paul in, in Vietnam that uh, my navigational skills were questionable. But what happened there, uh, and I think this is a... You know, this is a salient lesson for anybody thinking of young travel. players. Yeah, he he was very reliant on uh, his sat nav. Yes, and I was using a map. Right. Okay, so you've got you've got two different ways of looking at the direction in which you're going to travel. Well, yeah, you can hold a map the wrong way. Well, I I did that a couple of times, but yes. the thing about a map is that eventually you'll get it right. Even if you deviate, sometimes you can say, "Oh, I'm on the wrong road." I'll come back. But SatNav has a mind of its own. Yeah, it does. And what was happening was that we'd get to an intersection and the SatNav would say to Paul, go right, and my map would say, go left. And Paul would say, well, look, it's it's electronic. It couldn't possibly be wrong. Mm. And what it was actually doing was taking us on the route it thought we should go on. Yes, rather well, than the more, the most direct or uh, well, the one rather you than wanted. the most scenic, you know. So, yes. So in one particular instance, most scenic's one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In one instance, it was taking us over to Highway One, which nobody wanted to be on. No. 
um, because uh, that was probably the most direct route to where we were going, but it wasn't the route we wanted to take. Uh, and you know, every time every time I I decided to back off and let Paul lead, uh, the satnav would say turn left, and we're on a highway, and I know that we should stay on the highway. Satnav would say turn left, and it would take us on this route this, through. Has this an, got a point? This story? in industrially. Well, it has. I've actually. only got so much tape. It has. It has. It has. So we did. We did various. Um, deviations from uh, what would be the sensible route and what the map said was a sensible route simply because somebody we've never met uh, in, in a country that people who've never been to Vietnam mm. are telling us which way to go. Now, I don't know whether you, you noticed this morning. All the map printers have been there, haven't they? Well, no, the map printers, but the roads are there. Yes. They know the roads are there. <laughs> Look, uh, there was a story this morning. I don't know whether you picked it up, and I mean, it's a little bit, uh, it's unfortunate, but um, uh, two people in Brazil who were following um, their satnav to try and get through uh, the, the, the main city, uh, the satnav took them through a gangster area and they were shot. One of them died. Wouldn't have happened if they'd had a map? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it might have happened if they'd had a map, but the thing is, the satnav doesn't know anything about the environment that you're in. It, it's only going well. It's an automaton. Yeah. Rather than your thinking map, which will go, you, know, you can go and have dinner with it. This is supposed to be denigrating Paul Newbold. So can I get back to that? Yeah, well, I wish you would. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so while I'm young, you got you got a choice. You can you can you can follow the natural leader with the map, or you can follow the the technof the technophile with the with the the luxury technical equipment. Yes. Uh, but you're not likely to get a good travel result if you rely on the on the technology and not on the native wisdom of the natural leader. That's called dead air there, Grant. Have you heard that before? <laughs> well, that's that's only because you don't believe what I'm well, saying. Uh, well look, I'll just I will believe you because I you know, you're a seasoned traveller and you've got around you you do yes, know your way around yeah, uh, yeah. a trip. And I Paul, have, I have. let's face it. I should get some I should get some respect for that. Paul's a pernickety bastard. I mean, you know. That's what not what like. you said to him when he was on air here. Well, no. You were basically siding bit, with him. It was a little. Well, he was here. Oh, okay. And I'm Be, siding with you before now. Before I get off the subject. Right, on, go on. Okay. You, and this is one, one thing. You're still that, with us listening. It might be a good time to get a cup yeah. of tea. One thing that you said to him was that oh, you remember fondly leaving my place. You know, we'd all go over to my place for a ride. Oh, I would cook breakfast. That's true. Yeah, okay. Now, it was a big deal for me to cook breakfast. You know, I had to go and buy the buns and the egg. And I had to make sure there was enough coffee for everybody. So I was exhausted before we actually left because I'd done that nice service to the people that I was going to be riding with. Well, for listeners that may not have caught the podcast, the thousands and thousands of you that did, Grant often cooks breakfast before we we go on a trip. And he says, Get over to my place about seven. By the time he buggerizes around, loads his bike, unloads it, burns some food, uh, gets lost, about 11 o'clock he sets off, and then about midday, you know, a man's not a camel, Well, we drop into the Pizzini sisters. You, you need liquid. You, need, you do need liquid. You, yeah. you must hydrate on a motorcycle. You must hydrate, yeah. So I've seen you roll into places about 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. I've got my jammies well, on. Yes. Yep. So I don't ride when I don't. Have you noticed I don't yeah, choose to ride but, with you anymore? But what was happening in in on this Vietnam trip? Paul, Paul and Paul and I are uh, great mates, and we had a great trip. You it are. Was, it was you an are, excellent. It was an excellent adventure. 
But yes. we did have this issue where he liked to get up at, I don't know, half past six in the morning. Mostly it was dark. Uh, get on the road because, you know, as he said on your podcast, you know, I like to put the miles up and then you can just, you know, relax. Yes. But what we were doing was that we, we would get to our destination for that day at about one o'clock in the afternoon and then we'd spend nine hours sitting around saying, what do you reckon that museum would have been like if we'd stopped there? <laughs> or, you remember when we passed the airport where the Americans were, you know, yes. that, that runway was free. We could have had a, oh, you know. Yes. What, what do you reckon that, that view would have been like from those those lookouts that we, uh, we had plenty of time to do that stuff? Musical differences, Grant. Music, well, you know. Musical differences. I like getting to places at nine o'clock at night. Well, you're, All the action starting. Then. Yeah, that's true. And I, I've seen it in action where you made me stop and have a kilo of prawns once on a trip where I was getting a little bit, yes, little bit fashed with uh, things not going my way. How good was that? We we went to a uh, went to one of those um, um, what are they called? Co-ops. Yeah, a, a fish co-op, and bought a kilo of prawns, a few few lemons, bottle of stout. And sat there on the sat river. Sat on the side of the river, peeled the prawns, ate them. It and was. you, you felt a million bucks up. I did, and you taught me how to avoid the shit track on the back of a... Oh, did I? Yeah. Which is, that's I, I, been valuable. In fact, of all the things you've taught me, that's probably the most valuable. <laughs> how to get the shit tracked out of a uh, a prawn yep. easily. Do you remember that? Uh, friends, one of the uh, temptations to come down tonight was Greg said, that, well, I'll, I'll get some wine for you. And I've turned up and he's got a bottle of Sinonri, uh, Penfold Sinonri. And, uh, you know, this is usually 70, 80 bucks a, a bottle. No, nothing to me. Nothing. To, well, someone had given it to him, obviously. About 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and the cork. I don't had, like red wine. The cork had disintegrated. <laughs> and it was questionable whether the wine would be any good or not. Uh, but I also taught you, you seem tonight to have how, to, it all right. how to push the cork into the bottle yeah. and then use the. <laughs> Knife that you've done that with to keep the cork out of the way incredible. so you can decant it. It was so, it was like I was watching an inventor. You've you've learned a lot from two there. things: the shit tracked on oh, a, sh- on a, on a prawn, yeah, uh, and uh, how to uh, how to get a corked bottle out of a cork. I'd, a cork li- a corked cork out of a bottle. I'd like to think you've learned a little bit more from me. Well, look, that. I have. I admire you, Grant. Grant I always have, and and one of my. Uh, uh, greatest admirations is the fact that you've been a university le- a university lecturer. Geez, the old Peroni's kicking in. Yep. Um, a university lecturer, which surprises me because they normally pretty switched on and together sort of types. So you, aren't they? you reckon after a year they would have picked me up as a fraud? Well, you were pretty good. You, well, you weren't there enough from to work out whether you're any good or not. Could you know? Like I did go to some of your. Le- uh, Lessons, uh, you did. I did. I attended. Uh, I, you were my teacher, which was interesting because you were my employee. So you're working for me during the day, and I was going yeah. to. So this was uh, the masters in communication, which studies. I haven't finished. Yes. No, I know you haven't finished it, but you, you've got very close. You did all the coursework, uh, and there were a couple of uh, uh, a couple of courses that I taught you. Yeah, yes, that's you true. Did. That's true. They but were easy. Those ones. I vaguely remember some kind of plan we had that if you couldn't make it to classes, uh, you know, sixty-eight, I, I'd send you my uh, my taped lecture so that you That's could right. listen to it in your. Yes, I did. Like it was like uh, University of the Air. Yeah, and you gave them back to me at the end of the course, and they'd never been turned on. So. No, well, they you know. Well, yes. Let look. It's uh, details are sketchy. I can't. Yeah. You know, with the with the uh, haze of time, 
I don't really remember, but I do remember uh, enjoying your lectures. I do remember enjoying sitting in amongst 16 girls that thought this old bloke was pretty funny. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, University would have had its uh, privileges, Grant, as a, you know, a strapping man Um, of your ilk. Yes, well, yes, they they did. But I don't know whether this is the time to talk about that. I was only tucking myself in. I was only tucking my shirt in. (laughs) (laughs) So do you look back... They misunderstood. They 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 took it the wrong way. (laughs) They misunderstood. So... Do you look back to your university days with fondness? Uh, I do. Uh, I do because it gave me an opportunity to to investigate some of the things I've been doing all my life. I mean, one of the things about university, and you'll know this because you've done almost all of the MA in communications course, is that uh, it helps you explain things that you've always done, uh, but you'd never, never really... Um, deconstructed or, yes. or never really thought about. Yes. You've just done them. And suddenly you work that, oh, that's why I do it, you know, or, the, or this is why it works or or uh, uh, something along those lines. But, yeah, it was fantastic. It was uh, – I did it for 14 years uh, and uh, I kind of left on my my own terms. Well, is, being re- a- is being retrenched leaving on your own terms? No, I took a package. Is it's that the same as being retrenched? It's leaving on someone's terms. Yeah. And let's just leave it at that. But, look, you were good at it. Um, you had a natural proclivity towards uh, teaching and – you know, without uh, getting too serious about it, it is a noble profession to teach. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's very rewarding to learn. Yep, and it's very rewarding to teach. Unfortunately, the government we have now has made it somewhat difficult for uh, for universities to survive and thrive. You'd you'd say? Uh, yeah. Look, it's very difficult. They've become very professional. Uh, they they've cut out a lot of the courses that people actually wanted to do. Uh, I remember when uh, when I did I finished an arts degree at Melbourne Uni. Uh, there were two hundred and eighty five courses available to undergraduate students from the arts faculty. And when when my daughter, who also has graduated from there, finished, there were eight. Is that right? Yep. And they were stupid things like Asia as a course. I, I did a course. We, well, my, how, how, what's Asia as a course? Well, I, you know, who knows? It's something. Just, it's just everything. Broad. It's everything to do with Asia, right? Which okay. you know, it's not very specific. Yep. But I, I remember when I was doing my uh, my undergraduate degree, there was a course called Aspects of Love, and it was about love in poetry. And uh, yeah, so you can go a bit far the other way, can't it? Uh, well, it can. But what I was thinking is, oh, there'll, there'll be you know maybe seventy, eighty girls and me. Mm. It's like take netball. Yes, take yeah, netball. Yeah, take netball. Yeah. Is that how it worked out? No, there were, there were uh, 78 guys and mm. one girl. Yeah, Jeez, and, that makes – the odds aren't good there. And they were all thinking the same way I was. Mm, so 78, 77 to 1. We, we had to all sit there and listen to lectures on poetry about love God for strike the me. entire semester and not be able to actually practice it. But the question is, did you – Oh, with the were you girl. the lucky? Were you the lucky sperm? Oh no, no, <laughs> I was. I was well down the list. I, I would think from there. But no, look, it, we, it was great, and it it is difficult now. And uh, university is just kind of a a field of broken glass that people have to crawl across to get credentials at the end of their name. Well, it's massively uh, problematic, in as much as I know from my personal experience that uh, at least one of my children would have liked to have attended university, but the circumstances were such that it was probably impossible. Uh, well, it's getting... Not impossible, but yeah. difficult. Yeah, well, I'm of the generation that uh, 
where it was free. Yes. So my, when I started university, I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that that gives you a tremendous advantage in in the job market uh, in the long term. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not the case now. You know, my kids my kids have all engaged in in university, but some of them have got astronomical hex debts. Yeah. They'll carry them, the, carry them for a long time. Yeah, they'll carry them for a long time. And it does things like it, it stops banks lending you money if you want to deposit on a house. Not that anyone can afford to buy a well, house. Well, that's then. another thing. Yeah. Well, that moves me on to um, an area that I'd like to investigate with you. And uh, let's face it, you're a baby boomer. You're right smack back in, bang in the baby boomer uh, mould. I'm still a player, though. I mean, you know. Oh, well, you, I mean, you, you've only got you're, to, you're only speaking, got to look at you. You're speaking as if I'm old. Well, but, no, I'm not old. I'd, I'd say wise. Wise. Okay, wise. I'm wise. I like, I you're wise, but <laughs> yeah. um, do you think that baby boomers have something to answer uh, leaving the current generation, uh, the economic and social situation they find themselves in now? Well, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think baby boomers... Uh, are responsible for it. Um, I mean, that's a, that's actually a really big question. It's the sort of thing that that we well, we got plenty of time, Grant, and I've have got we? another half a dozen stubbies here. So yeah, well, my, I was wondering when it was going to get interesting. My red wine is starting to look a little. Under- I've got another bottle of fucking Dom Perignon. Have you? Yeah, excellent. excellent. <laughs> the cork's no yeah. good, but well, in that case, I'll tell you what I think about. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I think largely the the problem uh, we've got at the moment is is the uh, the uh, Capitalism uh, coming to a point of crisis, uh, and Marx Marx always said it would. He, Marx was never concerned about capitalism uh, rising because he said it's it, it's going to happen, but they're going to get to the point. The, the innately in capitalism, it can't it can't succeed just because of the the um, the growth imperative. Well, the growth imperative. Well, he he wasn't actually that concerned about that. Uh, but what he was saying was that what it would do eventually, what capitalism would do, would would, would be create such a big division in society with, with a wealthy few and a mass of poor people that the the seeds of capitalism's own demise are sown into the philosophy of it. Yes, yep. Uh, and, it's a fait accompli. Yeah, and what's, what's happened with universities is that uh, governments, successive conservative governments have said, well, don't teach people things like aspects of love Teach yep. them how to uh, build nuclear reactors, and teach them uh, teach them how to uh, conduct fracking, and uh, uh, do all that kind of stuff. That's got some kind of financial outcome. Yes, not build society. Anything else is folly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've we've got a situation now where universities are moving further and further in that direction. They're just businesses now. Yeah, they used to be. They used to be temples of learning. Yeah, houses um, of altruism. Well, I don't know whether they were ever that, but Did you? yeah, well, but but they 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 certainly were, they were certainly concerned about things that were more important than just just financial outcomes. Yeah, and it's uh, it's over. And well, n- now they're being funded by governments on the basis of well, you know, what are, what are the outcomes? So it's much harder to get, for example, a, a PhD scholarship now if you're doing something that's not commercially yeah driven. viable. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, if it's not going to lead to a commercial outcome, why um, are you doing that? Yeah, why should the government give you money to do something so which the, is only going to add to the quality of 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 the culture yeah. of your country, not yeah. add to its financial benefits? So why don't rich people like culture? Oh, they like their own culture. 
and they can afford to engage in it. But they've become rich because many other people have become poor. Yeah, it's, it can only be that way with only so much money to go around. It's, you're talking about distribution, aren't you? That's capitalism. It's, it's interesting, yeah. Like, it's really nice to be able to talk about this on, on your podcast. But uh, 15, 20 years ago, uh, uh, it, this would have been a slightly difficult conversation. Yeah. Uh, but it's really interesting with what's going on in the world now that it's much clearer. Uh, people who never used to be critical of capitalism are openly critical of it. Yeah, uh, capitalism's just—it's you know on the on the edge of a crisis. Yeah, it could be over. But what, which draws me back to the, my original question. Now I speak to Gen X Y's now. I guess uh, Gen X is a sort of before that, but. Gen Ys will tell you that we've left them with a planet that's fucked, that we've left them without the ability to do what we could do. Yep. Uh, buy a house. Yep. Uh, we've left them without the free ability of uh, job movement that we used to enjoy, although they move around a lot anyway. But um, basically, they reckon we've destroyed the joint and thrown it at them to pick up the cudgels. Well, we certainly have in the area of the environment, but... But you've got to accept that, that the knowledge on this didn't come quickly, that uh, there was a belief from probably after the First World War that development could continue forever because mm. we'd never get to the stage where we were going to tax the resources of the planet. Mm. So we, we've, we've found out the hard way that uh, the planet is a limited system and that we can... Uh, in fact, use the resources that are available and they won't be available anymore after that. So mm. there are some areas, I think, where where um, the baby boomer generation in particular uh, has had to learn uh, in a difficult way yep. what the limits are. But in terms of, in terms of uh, lifestyle and culture, the baby boomer generation was just, just gold. Yeah, it was. society generally. Yes, it was. Um, and, and we never had to, you know, we could we could own a house. Well, that, you know, maybe maybe again, that's uh, that's an economic thing rather than a social thing. But well, but we we had great music. We, we had did. we had we concentrated on relationships. You know, yeah, we yeah. we had great relationships. Yep. You know, the relationships between men and women uh, for the baby boomer generation were were never better in the history of the world. You know, w- women. Uh, I wasn't getting laid a lot. Well, that wasn't really. Oh, not what where I you're was, going. You, you sorry, know, I'm your, on the wrong your tram. Private, private relations. Were, That's not quite what you were saying. No, I, but but the potential was there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, and then uh, the 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 free love of the early seventies, late sixties. Yeah. When you were in your heyday, you would have been at your uh, prior to sexually transmitted diseases. Pri- yeah, just before the uh, in the AIDS scare, there was a well, gap there where things were pretty good, weren't they? Oh no, every, LSD and all every, that. Everyone was terrified of uh, the clap. You know. Well, oh, the clap! People yeah. would worship getting the clap. Now. That's, oh, you mean yeah. I've only got the I've clap. only got the clap? I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. die. Yeah. I've only got venereal disease. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good news, Doctor. Now, venereal disease, that brings me to your time oh, in the seminary. God. Oh, we're we going to talk about it. Well, are we allowed to talk about that? Or? Yeah, of course we are. Well, yeah. well you know, I'm interested that, uh, you know, you, you had a calling as a young man to uh, the cloth. And uh, I, know, I know for a fact that you entered uh, the whole thing very seriously and you took it seriously. Yep. Um, it wasn't folly by any means. 
And um, by you know, it's a big part of your life. It has to be defining. Uh, well, it was, and and uh, so w- what happened is I, I uh, went to uh, Roman Catholic seminary in 1969 and stayed. Just there. for listeners that don't know, what is a seminary? Uh, it's a training uh, a training college for priests. Mm. So, uh, and it was split into two bits. The, it, there was three years of philosophy and three years of theology, and I did the three years of philosophy. Uh, but during that time, the Vietnam War was on. And it, it's um, timely that you bring this up because I'm in Vietnam at the moment. Yes. Uh, and uh, conscription was in place. Yes. And uh, if you were of a certain age in Australia, you had to register for conscription. So wh- how it worked was that uh, your birth dates were put on marbles and put into a barrel. Sophisticated, wasn't it? Unbelievable, when you think about yeah, it now. Yeah, bingo. Well, it was. It was bingo, absolutely. Yeah. So you, the marble with your birth date was put in a barrel. So in theory, 365 uh, marbles went into a barrel and someone would draw the marble out. And if you were born on the 6th of January, uh, you were conscripted. Yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah. So I, I was in the seminary at the... So you're saying you went in the, the seminary time. to dodge that? Well, the, the two groups of people in the community that were excluded from national service were people in insane institutions mm-hmm. and student clergy. There were I only see. two groups. You could have got in, a, in either, really, couldn't you? <laughs> I could have. just picked one. I could have, yes. I yeah, could have. Yeah. But the, uh, the difference was that you still had to register. You still yes. had to register. Uh, and, but you could register it as, register as a conscientious objector. Yes. Uh, which but that, is, that took a lot of bravery because well, you the, were white-feathered a little. The, yeah, it did. That's true. That's true. Uh, and those people who did register as conscientious objectors turned out to be right about yes, the Vietnam they did. War. I don't think I don't think anybody now thinks the Vietnam War, or as it's called in Vietnam, the America War, yes, was a good idea. No, I don't think anyone does either. But that doesn't besmirch the people that were involved. The uh, no, that it went over there. No, it doesn't besmirch them at all. And I've never had uh, any sense uh, of antagonism towards people who who accepted what the community told them yes. was their civic duty. Yes. So uh, the people who were called up and went, uh, good on them. Um, I, I registered as a conscientious objector uh, and uh, my marble didn't come out of the barrel uh, and it would have been very embarrassing uh, for the government had my marble come out because it would have had to have addressed the problem of of the Catholic Church's approach to the war. Ah, yeah, it would have too. Well, you know, in th- in theory... Uh, yeah, I wasn't a, I, I, I wasn't a Quaker. I, I didn't object to all war. Yeah, I just objected to that war. Yeah, yeah, that one was wrong. Yeah, so the the police would have had to have come to the seminary, and uh, and I possibly would have been jailed. Uh, but did you live in fear of that? No, I wasn't scared of it. I, you know, I think probably I wanted it because it would have made. Well, you wanted it to come to a head. I, it would have made a big difference to the debate. If they'd put a a, 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 a Catholic priest seminarian yeah. in jail, yeah, and it didn't happen to anybody else. Uh, well, no, no other. You would student have thought priests. The, the odds that it would have, wouldn't you? Oh well, there were a lot of conscientious objectors who went to jail. Yeah, no, but I would have thought that there would have been a lot of people in the seminary around your age that were eligible for con- conscription. Uh, there were, there were, but but basically they did what the the community was. Was requiring, and they went. 
Well, they, they registered, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as I say, if, the, if your marble came out and you were in the seminary, you didn't have to go. But, but you know, look, it's, it's a big story. If, if you were at university, you could defer your description. So none of the people who were saying that we should go to Vietnam and fight ever went themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think from it's an memory, interesting, uh, there was only one government member who'd ever served. Okay, yeah. So the people who were saying, yeah, we, we need to stop the communists. We're, know, do, we're with, doing anything about with it. With the domino effect. Well, like, that's we're never going the themselves. And they were making damn sure their kids were, were either in university or not able to be conscripted. conscripted. Yeah. Now, all right, so that's about conscription, but what about the seminary? What happened there? Well, just before we get off that, you know, the, the, one We've of the We've only reasons, got so much tape, Granny. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. But the, the reason, off one the of the gob. reasons I'm really pleased to be in Vietnam at the moment is that it, uh, I, I always had a feeling, you know, it was such a big part of my young life that, that I wanted to go, not when the government wanted to send me, but afterwards. Mm. And the Vietnamese, uh, the Vietnamese people are beautiful people. They are. Uh, it's a great country. Yep. Uh, 70% of Vietnamese are under 40 years of age, so they've got no direct memory of the America War. Uh, they treat visitors with, with a great deal of respect. Mm. And, Surprisingly so. Yeah, and one of the reasons we went was w- there was a feeling that we wanted to make some kind of contribution. Yeah. Well, with all that money, you would have made a huge contribution, wouldn't you? You could well, buy Hanoi, couldn't they're you? They're not getting my money. I mean, you know, no, like, none of that? This, no, no. This is. Are you still buying cheap piss up there? Well, I, I'm spending the minimum amount I need to. Spending uh, wisely. <laughs> yeah, I'm spending wisely. Well, you're going to live a long time. You've got to make it last, don't you? We're, we're, doing, we're doing the right thing, I think. In you the, are doing the right thing. No, well, we're living, we're living in a... Um, we're renting a house in Vietnam. We're eating in the local restaurants. Uh, we're doing a, a lot of motorcycle trips. And we're spreading what money we are spending there in in the in the economic circle uh, that you know you'd like to support, which is poor people. Yes, well, fantastic. So man. no, no, it's I'm good. very impressed. It's great. It's great. Sorry, you want to get back to the seminary? Well, you know, at some stage. Well, I know, I know you're a committed atheist. I am a committed atheist, yeah. man. And, and I know you are deep down. You aren't sure what I am. Yeah. Oh, look, we've had this argument so many times, and I don't know what you are because you, I. I saw something recently. My old mate Peter Tarrant in Newcastle uh, went to Thailand with his son on a motorcycle trip and uh, he was so scared on uh, on so many occasions. He said, it really tested my atheism. <laughs> it's been on a motorcycle up there. I can totally understand it. <laughs> Testing your atheism is a great concept, isn't it? Yes, You're yes. going, oh, maybe there is a God. Maybe, yeah. Save me. Yes, Save please. Me. If there is one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just don't know. You know it's not about me. People, listeners know all about yeah, me. Yeah, they I get know. me every week. Yeah. So um, they're sick of my atheism because I go on and on. Yep. I'm ridiculous right. well, about this, it. I want to hear your side. This is what side. I'll tell you about it, that there is a position you can take that is beyond atheism. Uh, right. You don't have to be a believer or an atheist. Uh, there are some things in the world where you don't actually have to take a position. Yes. You can just say, well, uh, I'm... I'm not, th- and and this is a, not agnosticism. Uh, we're saying maybe it is, maybe. Well, it's I've not. always said agnosticism is soft cockism. Well, yeah, you, you're hedging your bets. Yeah, you're hedging your bets. Yeah, well, but look, I, don't, I you know, I, I don't mind agnostics, and I don't mind atheists, and I don't mind believers. Well, I actually object to a lot of believers, but yeah, um, but uh, there is a position beyond that where you just say, well, I don't have to have a view about this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, my, my personal feeling is that we we are humans are capable of a certain amount of abstraction. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't know. We don't we don't know what eighty percent of our brain does. No. Uh, and uh, there's a certain amount of I don't hubris. know what ninety percent of mine does. Actually, <laughs> there's a certain amount of hubris uh, and uh, vanity in coming to conclusions now about things where where science uh, may give us more information in the future later on. Yeah, and and that's not to say that you know they're going to f- discover that God really exists or anything like that. No, but. There's uh, more to be found out. You don't, you, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to sweat about this. You don't have to worry about whether there's a god or not. Just, you know, you don't even have to have a view about that. No. But what, when you when you get to that position, this kind of post atheist position, uh, what you have to do is then answer the question: Well, how am I going to live? Yes. And that that's a more important question. Yes. Um, and maybe religion has some kind of. Um, relevance in that area. Well, look, I I tend to agree with what you're saying, but you can't have had that view when you're in the seminary. Oh no, no. You would have been sky godding all over the place, wouldn't Correct. you? Correct. Yeah. So what happened? Did you wake up with a stiffy one day and said, "This is not for me"? Or well, what, one of the things that happened is that uh, uh, it was it was a it was a rigorous seminary experience uh, in that we um, we got up at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, Mass, um, meditation, uh, went to breakfast, which was the first time you could actually speak. You know, you, you silence were, up to you then. were on solemn silence. Jeez, uh, how'd you go with that? Uh, oh, it was was good, was it? Was good. Okay, yeah. uh, made up for its sins. Yeah, well, I have. I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the solemn silence finished at breakfast. You talked at breakfast. You went to classes until about one o'clock. Had lunch, then you recreated for three or four hours. Did stuff around the college, chop wood, you know. Did the things that were necessary to keep the the college running. Uh, dinner at night, um, study, uh, and then over to the chapel again for an hour or so, and then solemn silence again until the the next morning. So all night, you couldn't speak. Oh no, no, you couldn't speak. Yeah, you you couldn't visit you, anybody and talk. You, or did you have a little? Chat oh, on God, the side. God, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was regularly violated by people such as myself. You but, have a little chit chat. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, what they used to do at night is they'd announce the saint of the next day, and you know, all right. So every, every day has a saint, and I, you know, I didn't pay much attention to that. But one night it was it was Saint Silesius or somebody. Yeah, and I thought, I wonder who the fuck he is. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> The library was between the chapel and where my, my particular uh, room was, and so I called in the library. and There's a, a book called Butler's Lives of the Saints, which is which has got all the saints in it. Yeah. So I looked him up, and he was a he was an Italian uh, playboy, who uh, Butler's Lives of the Saints said he developed a uh, an unusual skin condition when he was 23. <laughs> so he got VD. Yeah. <laughs> he had a sexually transmitted disease, and he prayed to God that if um, uh, if God would cure him or spare him of this, he would devote the rest of his life to God. So he had the knob rot. He had the knob rot, and <laughs> and and he he got better. He was cured. So he devoted the rest of his life to. Was God. Was that a miracle? Uh, well, I, let me finish. Okay, so he's devoted the rest of his, rest of his life to God, but he only lived for another two years. He was run over by a carriage, 
Unlucky? Uh, well, unlucky, yeah. Well, lucky and unlucky. Because, yeah, yeah. Because At least he didn't have the knob rot. He died when he was 26. Right. And he's a saint. Yeah, and he's I, got there early, hasn't he? I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, he had 24 really great years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he was good for a couple of years, and he's a saint. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've, I've already had you know, 22 mediocre years where sometimes I've been good, sometimes I haven't been mm. so good. So uh, sainthood wasn't... And they're never going to make me a saint. No. You know, I struggle on a daily basis saint with Grant. doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'm, I'm okay, sometimes I'm not. St. Silesius, you know, straight up there. Yeah, yeah. Did straight it... into the Parthenon of the saints. So this did this sow a seed of, look, no, no. perhaps I should press on? No. What, I left because... Um, uh, well, I didn't actually leave. I, I took a year off. Uh, I deferred. I deferred, yeah. yeah. And and uh, I was under some pressure to leave because I was involved in the anti-Vietnam movement at the time. And the what, you got the arse? Authorities at the church felt I was being So wor- you've never worldly. told me that. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah. you were being worldly. I was being worldly. So external of the Yeah, so I was supposed calling. to be being spiritual, but I was being worldly by engaging in the politics of the day. Right. Uh, so you got the arse? No, I didn't get the arse. They, well, they, sounds they, like you got the arse. No, no, that's not what happened. All right, okay. Yeah, they accepted that I would have a year off. Yes. And they probably knew that if I had a, a year in the real world that I may not You won't come, come back. back. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never actually resigned. So, so you're still a f- technically a priest. I'm Well, I'm thinking of, say, maybe in 2018, turning up again at the seminary and saying, well, I'm back. I might finish. Yeah, I'll do yeah, the I rest. I might finish now, yeah. And I, I don't know what the what the legal situation is with that. But it would be really interesting if they... A good story. They took me back on. Yeah, I don't think you're going back. Well, they need me now. There aren't any priests anymore. No, well, there aren't any, uh, you know, religions dying. Uh, formal religion is, yeah. I reckon in 500 years we'll look back at religion and go, what what were they on about? Uh, I don't think... If we're be, still here. I don't think it'll be 500 years. Less. Well, you know, there are parts of... Fewer. The, parts of the church now that... Uh, that are looking forward to it, you know, the Jesuits. They're looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely. They've had enough. Well, they, they think it's they think it's terrible, you know, what the what the Roman Church has done. Yeah. And they they want it to collapse and they yeah. want to start again. But they still want to do the God thing. Well, it's not it, it's not the God thing so much, you know, like just getting back for a second to this post atheist position that you can have. Uh, it's it's really about how you live your life. Uh, and th- their view is that there is a way of living your life. Uh, you know, I don't want to, Jesus. I, well, well, since I've just brought him up, um, I don't want um, this to sound like proselytizing. But what's that mean? Uh, convincing you that that you know a particular religious position is right. better than okay. another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the life of Christ was was a, a fairly good life. You know, I mean, there are ways of interpreting. What Christ did, uh, you know, he was a, a, a radical. He was a communist. He was a socialist. He was all those things. He was a friend of the poor. Um, he was uh, egalitarian. Um, and that, if you use that model for your own life, um, you're probably not going to be unhappy. Yeah. So you know, and, and this the, the cross bit probably. Keep me out of it a bit. And yeah, yeah. Got, got a bit ugly towards the finish there. So what you're saying well, is Fred Hollows could be Jesus Christ now. Well, Fred Fred Hollows lived a Christ life like. Yeah, you know, he was he was. Um, so he could have been he 
could easily be followed like Jesus Christ was. Um, no, but but we could certainly follow the example he set. Yeah, and say, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about making a fortune and living in a rich house in a in a in a fancy suburb anywhere. I'm going to spend my Fix time people's eyes getting people who otherwise would be blind for the rest of their lives, uh, giving them sight, and uh, it only costs two dollars fifty. Yes. And these people will never have two dollars fifty. Yeah. So I'll raise the money. I'll give them sight. You know, he was he was. Um, you know, I would describe that as Christ like behaviour. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. See, I find that I find that offensive. How's that? Well, because I think it was Fred Hollows like behaviour. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Well, look. Yeah, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second. There's still a uh, bit. Of, there's still a bit of the cloth in there. No, there? no. The collars not, just come out. He's put it on. Not, you asked me the question. I did ask you. You the may question. regret it's, it. It's now, unfair but, for me to. Yeah, judge. and and I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I would never talk about this normally with anybody. Um, You're talking with at least eighty people. Well, you told me nobody listens to this. No, well, not that many actually. Yeah, well, but I don't like to say that because there might be potential advertisers. Oh well, they're, which they're, reminds me, have you, they're, they're have all you had a now, schwep? They? <laughs> <laughs> they all turned off hours yeah, ago. Like that. Yeah. No, you'd have to be driving from here to Token Water listening to this, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, look, that's enough serious stuff. Um, we can't go on forever. You're starting What's to bore me. What time okay. is it? We've got on there now. Seven hours and fifteen minutes. We've been going. Um, I was uh, born in Griffith. Oh, Christ, he was too. I had a difficult life. In now, um, you've uh, you've lived a you've lived a whole uh, you know, a, a real life. You, you've lived, and I'm not dying. I'm no, still a no, young man. No, I don't. I'm not seeing you off. But yep. you know, from the seminary to working underground as a coal miner, coal miner. Yep. Uh, to uh, 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 Noted journalist. Yes. Um, a doyen. A doyen. Well, not a doyen. Well, do, you know my version of what a doyen is, don't you? That's an old bastard we let hang around. Yeah. Well, so you I'm don't ever want to be called a doyen. And but I'm not university that. lecturer. Yeah. Um, but you'll have noticed a pattern in this. You know, I, I've had uh, I've had jobs for a short period of time. And usually what happens is people find out what I'm like and then I have to move on. Right. So it takes had, a while, though. Well, sometimes it takes. Well, it depends how much attention they're paying. Fourteen years I'm at doing. the uni. Well, maybe that was a little bit different, but um, three years um, in the seminary. It was one of the things that's been great about my working life is that that I've been able to do things I, I really want to do. I mean, you know, how great is it being uh, being working on a motorcycle magazine? Fantastic. You know the things that the things that you and I have done together, and uh, the things that you know we're still doing. You're, you're now editor of Road Rider magazine, uh, and there's a, a a lot of adventures coming up for you. Yes, uh, I, I feel blessed, and I'm still a regular contributor to uh, Motorcycle Trader magazine. And there's a lot. That's of twice you've said coming. Motorcycle Trader. Uh, sorry, what was it again? No, it's, sometimes I'm I forget the name of the. Never going to say it again. Yeah, right. Okay, but you know it's we not have a, we've lived a good life. In in fact. Uh, I often, uh, you know, with our waxing lyrical, I realise how lucky we are. I think our generation's been lucky. Incredibly lucky. Yeah. Health-wise, the works. Uh, well, no war. No war. Yeah. Which we're destined to forget, unfortunately. Well, I think you're right. And what about Donald Trump? Anything to say about Donald? I know that well, you're, I know how, you're, I know you're a Trump do fan. You, do you have... Uh... I know that you did celebrate the night that uh, the big Don uh, <sighs> quaffed the hair and made the speech. I turned the television off and vowed that I would not follow what happens for the next 
period of time because it was just going to be more and more awfulness. Well, you didn't see it coming? Uh, no, I was with you. I, I think you called it a bit early. I went a little early. Uh, but, you know, as we were, as we were saying earlier tonight, um, I think the analysis of the victory has been very good. Yes. And I, I think, you know, maybe had we been talking about those things before the election... Maybe this wouldn't have been the result. Well, we wouldn't. We didn't know. I think the analysis of the analysis has been very good. We've worked out that the the old paradigm of how we we uh, gauge these things doesn't work anymore. No, and, and I put that down mostly to social media and online stuff. People are more unified than they've ever been. Opinions are more unified than they they've ever been. And there's a voice. Yeah. No longer does the opinion finish at your fence. Well, I, I think one of the uh, one of the issues, though, that, that needs to get some further work is that there's a whole group of people who I don't necessarily think are online. I, I think they're just people who've suffered the effects of globalisation uh, and are disenfranchised and just say, well, in, in the case of America, they're saying, well, we don't want more of this. Uh, now, Trump's, Trump's just lied to them. He, ca- he can't do most of the things he's promised no, to do. Not possible. Yeah. So, uh, but they don't care. Uh, no, you know, people said um, well, he's a, a misogynist. They're going, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't care. All those things that used to um, discredit you as a potential politician. It made me think of two New South Wales um, ministers who had to resign because they'd bought a television in to the country and yeah, not yeah. paid, not paid duty on it. And there's a bloke with the teddy bear who was that? Uh, yeah. But Laurie Young? Uh, no, I can't remember. Laurie, uh, not Laurie Young. What was his name? Mick Young. Yeah, someone will ring in and tell us. Well, they will might ring in. That's might, the phone now. Might have been Mick Young. But, Mick um, Young. But it used to be enough. A tiny thing used to be enough. Yeah. Imagine, A little bit too much, but imagine, yes. Imagine, you know, in those days, if you'd been caught talking about women that way. Yeah. Uh, your career would have been ruined. Yeah, yeah. But he's just gone through one of these things after another, and, and nobody seems to care. Yeah, yeah. So, it could have been Fred Bear. I think they, uh, what you said earlier about they just wanted to change and they were railing against the yeah. the system um, makes me think Bernie could have beaten him. But um, Yeah, I don't know. I think Bernie was different enough. But it, look, who knows? It's academic now. The bloke's won. We talk about it as though it's not done. It's done. Um, yes. He, I, he won't get two terms. We know I, that. I think... I think it's done as well, and there will be there will be change, but it won't be the change that the people who voted for him wanted. No, no one's going to be not satisfied. Gonna get, they're not going to get what they wanted. No, uh, and maybe what they want is never going to be achievable again. But we, that that's what politics has to address now. You know what what do what do we do about uh, the increasingly disenfranchised people in the developed world who yes. don't have jobs anymore? Yeah. Because they've all gone to the third world. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't forget the fact that that were he actually able to deliver on his promises, if he brought these jobs back to the states, uh, how disadvantaging that would be for the the people who are currently doing. Yeah, it. you know, Thailand's building most of the cars in the world. Yes. in fact, it's building most of the motorbikes too. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah, yes, you know? indeed. Well, I don't think he worries too much about that. China. Well, yeah, no, I don't think um, I don't think he thinks very much about anything at all. No, well, look, this has got a bit serious now. Oh, okay. And um, I'm getting a bit bored. Um, is there anything you'd like to that we've missed, or uh, you know, I know that you've come a long way from Vietnam to be on uh, Snag says. Uh, on my way back in the plane, I heard a good joke. Can you tell me? Is yeah. it 
Is it blue? Uh, no, 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 no. It's good. It's all right. So, is it racist? Uh, mm. I don't know. Let let right. let your listeners be the judge. Right. Yeah. Listener, listener. Okay. Yep. So, excuse my sniffing. I've got hay fever. Uh, it's not the hay fever that's killing everyone in Melbourne, is it? The I think it is. <sighs> but I've got knob rot anyway. Oh, this. This is this is going to be so good because when I speak at your funeral, I'd say, yes. oh, you know, I was the last one who spoke to him. Mate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. You wheel so, my motorcycle out tonight, will you, and take that? This guy's gone to the doctor. Goes to, to the doctor. To get the results of his tests and the doctors, doctors are like, you know, I'm sorry, I've got pretty bad news for you. The results are terrible. And, and the doctors, he said to the doctor, well, you know, how long have I got? And the doctor said, oh, five the guy's gone, what, five years, five months? He said, four, oh. three. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I like it. Gee, yeah. I'll tell you what, the uh, the um, uh, medical profession's come a long way. They can pick it that close, though. Yeah, it? well, I know. It's fantastic. But it? Imagine, imagine being there going, four. Oh. <laughs> and I was oh. the last four, four seconds of my life, I was sat here sitting with you. So is this, um, is this it? Is it? Well, finished? I think we should press on because I'm, they get bored. What do you mean press on? What happens now? Oh, well, now I piss you off. Um, what, you talk? No, no, I cut it and I make it. We're going to finish up. Oh, are we over time? Well, let me have a look. Where? Uh, how long have we gone here? It says here somewhere. Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm just saying to warm what up. What are you just warming up? Yeah. Well, look, we can always chat on, but I'll just cut it. Yeah, okay. Well, let's leave it then because I'm, well, I'm also out of red wine. When so. are you heading back to Vietnam? Uh, 5th of January. I'm back middle of uh, uh, June. And can I come on again? Because oh, I'll, I'll have some to, more stories. I'd love you to come come on again. Okay. Um, I'll be back. And you'll be living in Castlemaine. Castlemaine. Castlemaine, yep. Up uh, in the gold country. Yep. Um, you're having a tree change. Yeah, nice little, nice little place. Very humble. Your life's pretty good now, isn't it? Oh, well, you know, why did you say that when I can't tell you how, how shit ass it, it could possibly be? I mean, you know, I could talk for hours about well, it. Well, yeah, but you've stumbled you stumbled through life as a man fairly bereft. I blundered through it. Blundered through. Bere- I, I wasn't killed, uh, which, you know, was an eminent possibility. I, I haven't died in a motorcycle crash, which was likely to happen. Devoid of achievement and bereft of talent. Correct. And, and still, but and still, come out at the other end with a shitload of money—a house in Castlemaine. No, no, well, not a shitload of money, but I'm sitting in a comfortable chair, and I've got a glass of wine, and I'm with a friend. With a great friend. I'm with a friend. Well, Grant, you are a great friend of mine, and I—I uh, I mean that in all sincerity. I've enjoyed having you on here tonight. Um, you are the model for most of us. Oh, you are the model. <laughs> no, um, jump. If I can, I'm hoping I can do three bottles in a night, and I'm working on it. <laughs> So thanks very much. It's been and, a pleasure, uh, pleasure being here. And please uh, say hello to lovely Julia and yep. tell her she could have done so much better. Yeah, well, look, hopefully I'll see you in July and we can we can do the same thing and it'll be a whole new set of stories. All right, can't wait. Back in the seminary. Back in the seminary.